Irritable bowel syndrome is talked about frequently in the media and pop culture, but it's still fairly misunderstood. And I'm joined today by Dr. Michael DeSimone. He's a gastroenterologist with Concord Gastroenterology Associates, and he's going to explain IBS to us and take us through his holistic approach to managing it. This is the HealthWorks Here podcast from Emerson Hospital. I'm Scott Webb. Doctor, thanks so much for your time today. We're talking about irritable bowel syndrome today, and I think a lot of people think they know what IBS is, but you're the expert, so tell us, what is IBS? Yeah, I think that's a great first question. I feel like it's something that's discussed you know, pretty commonly. You hear it in popular culture and TV programs or on the radio, or you hear your friends talking about it, but I don't know that everybody in the world has access to a real definition. I, I think probably it's what a lot of people think it is. It's not far off from the sort of slang version of it. It's basically a situation where your bowel movements are not where you want them to be, and then you have some uncomfortable symptoms that are associated with that irregularity. So that could mean that you're not going as often as you might like, or you're going a little more often than you might like. It could mean that the the stool itself is not the consistency that you might hope for. It's a little loose or it's a little hard. And and then the, the most important piece is that you have some discomfort that goes along with that. We typically will say pain, but a lot of people don't describe it as pain. A lot of people describe it as bloating or cramping or discomfort or urgency or nausea. But the, the key is that you've got some irregularity going on and that you, you know, don't feel good as a result of it. I think another important question that I get asked that goes along with that is, is why? What are the things that cause that irregularity or cause those symptoms when things aren't the way that I want them to be? I think importantly, IBS is not an infection. It's not an inflammatory condition. I've got a, a flare of my IBS going on. Things are, things are really inflamed. Inflammation sort of means that the immune system is very active in an area, and that's you know something that we don't see with irritable bowel syndrome. It's not cancer, obviously. It's not a malignant condition. It falls under the umbrella of uh, a group of conditions that are fairly common in the GI world called functional disorders. And what that means is essentially what I said, that it's not an infection or inflammation. It's not something that we typically see under a microscope or on an endoscopy or on a CAT scan, but things are not working. Things are not functioning the way that they should. And typically that boils down to a few elements, and those are the muscles that sort of control the way things move through the GI tract and the need for sort of coordination of those muscle movements the nerves that help with that coordination, but that also let us know what's going on in our GI tract. And generally, those nerves aren't too active. We're not, on an average day, given a ton of information about what our GI tract is up to, and we like it that way. (laughs) In general, if we're being told a lot of information about uh, the things that are moving through and the sort of inner workings of our gut, that's, that's often uncomfortable. And then the final piece is a burgeoning area of investigation and study in the GI world, and that's the microbiome, which is to say the sort of inner world, all the bacteria and uh, other organisms that live inside of us. And and of course, we're chock full of those things and they need to be in a certain state of balance. And we have to have certain healthy ones that help us along that sort of compete or fight against or keep away the bad ones that, that cause illness and disease or discomfort or symptoms in these cases. In terms of our end as a patient or a prospective patient, how can I tell if I have IBS? Oh, yeah, it's a great question. It would be wonderful if I said, uh, come on by and I'll give you the IBS test. Unfortunately, we don't have one. Uh, IBS is, is often 
in the realm of what we call a, a diagnosis of exclusion, meaning that we have ruled out other things. We don't have a, a good explanation that we can see on a CAT scan or can see under a microscope or on an endoscopy. And then the other piece is that it fits the descriptive criteria. And we do have uh, guideline-based diagnostic criteria. They're called the Rome criteria, and they're in their fourth evolution. So we call it the Rome 4. And they're pretty basic. They essentially just codify what I described uh, earlier, which is to say the bowel movements aren't where they should be or where you want them to be, and you've got symptoms that go along with that. And then there are a couple of subtypes of irritable bowel syndrome, so they help define what is truly irritable bowel syndrome with diarrhea or irritable bowel syndrome with constipation or the mixed type of irritable bowel syndrome. Or if it doesn't meet any of those criteria, then we just call it uh, undefined, IBS not otherwise specified. Another important thing to clarify are some types of symptoms that are not associated with irritable bowel syndrome. Uh, we do not expect to see bleeding from the GI tract as a result of irritable bowel syndrome. So if you're having blood in your stool, it's really not a good idea to presume that's a, a functional issue or an irritable bowel issue, and that's something you definitely want to get checked out by your doctor. Another big one is weight loss. We don't tend to see weight loss with functional disorders with irritable bowel. And then nighttime symptoms. There, there is some sort of politeness to the GI tract where it generally shuts down when we shut down and symptoms tend to be active. They tend to be occurring during periods of time where the GI system is active and that's related to meals or related to bowel movements and we go to sleep. But generally those things go quiet and so the symptoms tend to go quiet as well. So if you're having nighttime symptoms, if you're having weight loss or if you're having bleeding, then it's really a good idea to you know, probably get those things checked out and not chalk them up to irritable bowel syndrome. And we're going to get to the role that diet and lifestyle play in helping us to feel better and deal with IBS. But first, are there medications that can help us with IBS? Absolutely. Yeah, there are some fantastic medications and some that are you know very well tolerated and that can work really well for a lot of patients. Typically, the sort of first approach to dealing with irritable bowel syndrome is to try to get those bowel movements back into the sort of regular criteria that we're looking for. If they're going too fast, we want to slow them down. If they're not happening frequently enough, then we want to speed things up. And a lot of times that improved regularity will bring the symptoms along with it. And you will have less abdominal pain or less cramping or less bloating when we address that underlying irregularity. And sometimes it's something as simple as an over-the-counter stool softener or laxative or on the other end of the spectrum, so like an over-the-counter diarrhea medicine taken in the right way at the right frequency can really calm things down quite a bit. There are other medications that are more targeted to some of the other aspects that I described. So there's irregularities of movement, or the irregularities of the muscles, or that sort of heightened nerve sensitivity, that situation we were describing where, you know, we're sort of being given a little too much information than would be comfortable about what's happening in our GI tract. And so there are medicines that can quiet those signals down. And so th those tend to be more prescription medications and, and things that we prescribe for specific situations. But the, the general rule, the, the, one, the one that's almost, you know, part of it for almost everybody with irritable bowel syndrome is something to try to get those bowel movements regular again. Yeah, and I like the way you put some of that there about uh, sort of calming things down or finding balance, and that sort of plays into this holistic approach. And I want to ask you, in terms of the holistic approach, what role do diet and lifestyle play in helping us feel better and deal with IBS? A huge role. Yeah, that's a, this is a really important piece of the management of irritable bowel syndrome. Functional GI disorders like irritable bowel syndrome, they really tend to flare up in times of stress. They're often associated with conditions like anxiety or sometimes with depression. 
And in the same way that we know that uh, a healthy lifestyle can sometimes help with those conditions, it, it can absolutely help with irritable bowel too. Diet obviously is an important piece for management of uh, gastrointestinal symptoms. I will say that the probably the, the diet topics that we talk about most frequently with our irritable bowel syndrome patients, those tend to be probably gluten and dairy. And I think that there's again a lot of a lot of sort of common discussion, a lot of hype um, around gluten, and for better or worse, I think that there's increased awareness certainly, but then. Somehow there's also some associated stigma, the sort of you know, a little bit of an eye roll when people say they don't want to eat gluten, but gluten bothers a lot of people. And the trouble with it is even if it bothers people a little bit, it is just absolutely everywhere. The Western diet, the American diet is, is very gluten heavy and very dairy heavy. And a lot of the things that we think of as staples or comfort foods or the top list items on a lot of menus are a combination of gluten and dairy. It's pizza, it's a lot of pastas that have cheese. There's about every sandwich we eat is made on wheat-based bread and it probably has some cheese in it. So these are you know, things that we're eating almost every time we sit down. And so if they tend to bother you a little bit and you're getting a whole lot of them, then they can really provoke a lot of symptoms. And there's nothing wrong with trying to avoid them or at least giving a shot to some changes that get around them a little bit to try to feel better. There's no magic to them. There are specific other GI conditions that are not related to irritable bowel syndrome that involve those two foods, gluten obviously being celiac disease, and that's really more of a, an allergy or an immune condition that's related to gluten. And that's different from just having symptoms because you have trouble digesting gluten or you have a little bit of irritation when you, when you digest gluten. And then, of course, there's lactose intolerance that I think everybody's familiar with, which is just the lack of an enzyme that breaks down lactose. Lactose is a sugar. It's a combination of two smaller sugars, and you need an enzyme to cut it in two so that you can absorb those two smaller sugars. If you don't have that enzyme, then you have lactose intolerance. That's common to develop later in life. It's common around the world, and you know, particularly in older adults. And that's certainly a cause of a lot of GI symptoms, but that's a little bit different from thinking about dairy sort of provoking IBS symptoms in a patient who's not lactose intolerant, and that's absolutely a common phenomenon as well. I would say the other food that we talk about a lot in the setting of irritable bowel syndrome or the you know, type of food is fiber. And there are plenty of patients for whom we're recommending more fiber, a high fiber diet, a fiber supplement. And there are other patients for whom we're saying, well, you might want to taper back on the fiber a little bit. And that is for sort of two reasons. There are two things about fiber that make it relevant to producing or easing GI symptoms. Number one, it's the gas and the break in a lot of situations in the GI tract. So we eat a high-fiber meal. Fiber is a food that we don't really digest. It's the, in large part, it's the plant substance that's a type of uh, carbohydrate, a type of sugar chain that we don't have the ability to digest. Some other animals do. You think of cows eating grass. Why don't we eat grass? Well, grass is mostly made of fiber, and we just can't digest it. And when it, your stomach is full of fiber, a lot of it's going to sit there. Your body's going to take some time to recognize it and, and not digest it and move it along. In other situations, in the colon, it is the bulk of the stool. It's the, again, it's the substance that sort of makes it to the end of the line without being digested. So it makes up a lot of, of the waste. The body knows that and works with that and almost uses it as the lubricant to keep things moving. The system really wants to be full to a certain degree, and, and that makes it easier for everything to move through the system. So the other aspect of, of fiber as a component of our diets that makes it uh, an important element in producing or quieting down IBS symptoms is the fact that we don't digest it, but a lot of the 
elements of our microbiome do. A lot of those microscopic organisms do have the ability to digest fiber. And one of the byproducts of that digestion by those microscopic organisms is gas. They make a lot of different gases. They essentially ferment those substances. And so how do we experience that? Well, we experience it as feeling gassy or feeling bloated, or we may literally sort of pass that gas from above or from below. And so that is an important component of a lot of people's IBS symptoms is that bloating or that gas, and some of it does come from ingesting fiber. And so we try to control that or or give people guidance on how to balance out different sources of fiber or how to add or subtract sources of fiber so that we can maybe try to help control some of their symptoms in that way. And doctor, when should I or we see a gastroenterologist about IBS? Today. Today. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, as soon as you can get in to see one, I, I can't tell you how many times I see patients who have been walking around with some form of these types of symptoms for their whole lives or for their whole adult lives or for many years. And and a lot of them will say, I think I have IBS, or I was told at some point in time, or my friend has IBS, and they said, I probably do too. So I just went with that. And it's only because I had this new symptom or something changed or some new reason that I decided to come and see a doctor. And I say, gosh, we, we probably could have calmed these things down for you a long time ago. So the sooner you come in, the sooner we can figure out if there's something we can do. And if there's not, no harm done. You can go back to living your life and managing your symptoms the way that you always have. But if it's possible to improve your quality of life with a little bit of guidance, a little bit of advice about a diet or a, a medication with you know, very few side effects that you can, in a lot of cases, pick up at the pharmacy on your way home that day over the counter, geez, I think that's a great opportunity to try to feel better. I think there's just a lot of things that people get used to living with. And I don't know why we do that. I don't know if it's a laziness or fear because, you know, some of these issues are kind of personal. I'm not sure why, but it does seem that a lot of people just sort of live with things and their quality of life suffers as a result. And as you say, and my takeaway today will be, if you think you have something going on, if you think you have IBS, today would be the day. Today's a good day. So, doctor, thanks so much for your time and you stay well. Thank you. You too. It's a pleasure talking to you. Go to emersongi.org or reach Concord Gastroenterology Associates at 978-287-3835 for more information or to make an appointment. And thanks for listening to Emerson's HealthWorks Here podcast. I'm Scott Webb. And make sure to catch the next episode by subscribing to the HealthWorks Here podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever podcasts can be heard.